Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. So why don't, uh, why don't we stand just open in prayer and then we're going to dig right into the word today. And I'm going to ask you to say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Give me ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to me today. And help that preacher in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to uh, dig into the Word today. I want to talk, uh, in October, our theme is healthy families. Healthy families. Now, family, family is God's idea, right? Family was God's idea from the beginning. And, uh, you know, we are designed as people to function better together than independently. How, how many know that? And we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18... It says, and the Lord said, it's not good that man should be alone. Up until that point, everything he did and created, he said, it is good. But he got to this place and he said, you know, it's not good that man should be alone. All right? And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22 to 24, it says, the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man, okay? And this, verse 24 says, this ex- explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two shall be united into one. And that word one is actually the word um, akkad. I can't pronounce it properly because I'm not Hebrew, but akkad. And we see that word also in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, the Lord our God is one. And that word is a plural unity. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, let us make man in our image. In our image, he created the male and female. Our is plural unity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. And so God uses that same word, one, or echad, when he talks about a woman, a man being joined to his wife. They become one. They're individual, but then they become one together in marriage. When you got born again and Jesus comes by the Holy Spirit and lives in your heart, you become one. Echad with his spirit. You become one spirit with God. So your spirit and God's spirit come together and create a new creation, something that's never been existed before the resurrection of Jesus is that the spirit of God comes and lives within you and you become echad with Jesus. You become one. Isn't that good news? Okay. And so God is into this, this plural unity within family, within marriage and within the raising of our children. And so what the enemy wants to do and what we see in society is an attack against family values. We see it all around us. I don't have to spend time talking about it because we see there's an attack against the family, attack against family. But God created family. And uh, he gives us a, a verse here in 127, verse 3 to 5 of Psalms. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Okay? The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like an arrow in the hand of the warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. How many got a full quiver here? Let me see. Some of you got a full quiver. Some of you got six kids. Some of you got five kids, right? Some of you got two kids, right? Blessed is the man whose quiver is filled with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemy at the gate, okay? And I know we have four children. And I find it funny when I talk to people and say, how many kids do you have? And we said, we have four. And I've had people say, are you guys Amish, right? Like, 
because it's like four now is a big number, right? Like, you know, we go back and some of, some of you in the uh, baby boomer generation, it's like f- six kids is just the beginning. I mean, my, my, mother, my mother has 18 siblings, right? Like, it's crazy. Now four kids is a big family. But, but see, having a big family back in biblical days was really important, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But here's the thing. In humanism is the worldview that's being pushed on our children in school. Um, children are a product of evolution. Children are a product of natural selection, which means there's mental development that happens, uh, which includes moral individualism, which means they're, they're able to evolve and come to um, their own moral standard of what's right and wrong. How many see that in the school system today? This is what's being pushed. This means that parenting is more that you need to guide and support your children, right, in their development as they develop. But we believe that children are given to us and that we're to train up a child in the way that they should go, correct? And so we understand the biblical worldview of raising a family is that children are a gift of God and uh, they come with a blank hard drive. They just come... Uh, my wife got a computer recently, took it out of the box. You could turn it on. It was programmed enough to, come to recognize you can turn it on, you can go online, you can do a few things. But how many know you have to install an operating system? You have to put, um, like, Windows 365. You have to put some uh, malware on there. You have to put a firewall. You've got to set it all up. How, how many know? The basic operating system, but you have to put all the, the stuff on it, right? And that's how kids come. They come... They come, they come brand new out of the package. Uh, you can turn them on. Basic operating system. They poop, they pee, they cry, they sleep. And everything else is that we need to, we need to install the right software. We have to install the right... How many hear what I'm saying? Okay? And, and we understand that uh, we have to put the operating software. We have to put the virus protection. We have to put the firewalls into our children. That's, that's our responsibility as parents. Amen? And sometimes we, we've messed up. My wife and I, we're not perfect. Believe it or not, we're far from it. But we look at some of the things we did as parents, and we think, like, I would change it. And I'm actually envious of those guys in the beginning of the Bible who lived six, 700 years old, because if they messed up on their first group of kids, they could probably have a second and a third. Okay, now we got it down, right? But we only live one life. And we make our mistakes, and then we try to fix it afterwards, but that's okay. And so we have to understand that um, in order to, um, if we don't have a proper operating system installed in our children, they're not going to function effectively in society. They're not going to function effectively as individuals. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. This this is, I think, the role as parents. We need to start start by delighting ourselves in the word of the Lord, right? We have to um, have a desire. See, how many here love God? Let me see your hand. All right? So if if we love God, we have to spend time in his word, all right? And look what it says. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it how often? Day and night. Then there will be trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in each season. How many know we need to bear fruit? 
right? And, and uh, their, their leaves will nev- never wither, and they prosper in some of the things they do, all that they do, all right? And, and so if we're not prospering in all we do, then we have to look back and say, well, maybe, maybe I'm not, first of all, delighting in the Lord and meditating on his word. I was talking with uh, Stephen, actually. I don't know if he's here today. Last week, and we were talking about what he likes to work out, and I said, i got to start working out again. And he looked at me, and he said, it takes 13 days to start a new habit, and you just got to get to it, and you just got to do it. And it's true. How many, how many have ever been there? You haven't worked out for a while, and you go back the first day of the gym, you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I here, right? And you're like kicking yourself. But if you force yourself and you do it for, you know, continually for a little bit of time, 13, 20 days, whatever, it becomes a, it becomes a habit, how many hear what I'm saying? And so, so I want to encourage you guys that, that you would begin to create a new habit. Because we all love God, but let's create a habit where we come and we say, I'm going to meditate on the Word of God day and night. And within a few weeks and within a few months, you're going to begin to say, I can't live without this time with God. But unless you start, that, the habit will never be formed. Because what happens as we spend time in God, as we spend time with the right foundation, which is rooted and grounded in love, delighting yourself in the Lord. This is a relationship thing. What happens is you begin to produce fruit. And how many know that fruit is organic? I mean, you, can't, you, can't, you cannot, um, you cannot uh, manufacture the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit has to be grown in us as we spend time meditating on the Word. The fruit will begin to grow. Now, Galatians chapter 5 Verse 22 to 23. Let's read it together. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Who produces the fruit? The Holy Spirit. And as we spend time in the Word with the right foundation of, I'm spending time in the Word, um, not to grow intellectually so I can out-debate other Christians or secular people because I actually love spending time. I delight myself in relationship with God. That's why I'm in the Word. The fruit will begin to grow, and, be, and you can't manufacture it. And I, I saw this uh, news clip the other day where a, a young man was with his brother and a police officer barged in and shot his brother. Now, I, I think the situation... I. It was probably that she thought she was going into her apartment. She had reason for doing this. But now she's getting sentenced. And some of you might have saw it on the news. Um, but I have the, the clip here of what happened in court. This young man is, is, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit is coming out in his life. You cannot manufacture this. And I wanted to take a few minutes to watch this. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I I forgive you. And 
I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Isn't that beautiful? And this you can't manufacture. This is a, a relationship. Obviously, his brother was a believer too. And he said, listen, the most important thing is that you give your heart to Jesus. And I'm not going to hold this against you. And that you cannot manufacture that. And you can't teach your children, you need to love your enemies. You have, they, it has to be uh, something that they've seen in you. And they can model that. Because you know what? Everybody has a worldview. How many know that? Like, everybody has a worldview. And um, worldview is really the lenses in which you see the world. And uh, it comes from your upbringing, comes up the religion you've been part of. Whatever your parents believe, you end up believing. Many times. And so we saw this, actually, I was talking with Hannah, my uh, daughter. She's in grade 10 now. Uh, but she was telling me that a few years back, maybe six years ago or something, she said, you know, I remember in my class... Uh, when, uh, the teacher broke us up in groups, and she said, okay, you guys are going to be, this group is going to be the NDP party. This will be the liberal, the conservative, and the green party. And so each of you have to appoint a leader, and then you're going to put together a presentation. You're going to do your platform, and you're going to get up and give a speech. And then we're going to vote on who did the best. And so what happened was uh, each party did their thing, and the green party actually did the most compelling, best presentation. Everybody said, yeah, that's the one. And then they had, a, they had a, a, a fake vote, so they all went and did their little vote. They were learning about politics, obviously. And the amazing thing is the Green Party didn't win. 
I think it was the Liberal Party because it's six years ago. And what it was was um, they, they found that no matter how, what was presented, that the kids voted for the party their parents supported. And when you sit around at the dinner table and you talk about your political views and this and that, the kids are listening, they hear, and they, they take a snapshot of what you believe and what is important to you, and then they, they own it. And so, so the actual amazing thing is they did the act, the actual election took place, and then they took it and they mirrored it to the, the mock one they did in school, and it followed the same curve. It was the same results as the actual election. So basically, we go into the schools and have the kids vote, and we'll know what the election results will be. That's kind of what the, this is what, what took place. And, and so, so children are excellent recorders, but not so good at interpreting sometime, right? And so we have to understand, and I said this in the first service, I'll say it again, the more I read the scripture, the more I see that we're to be rooted in the love of God. That God is always the one who reaches out first God loves us first, and then we respond. And as you read through the scripture, you'll always see that if we keep love as the foundation, then, then everything else happens organically. It's nothing that's forced when we're trying to disciple people and raise our kids. Amen? So we need to lay foundation for life. And so I want to talk about that this morning. How do we lay a foundation for life for our children? And if you're in this place, you say, well, my kids are already adults. Listen, you can still influence them as adult children, right, by your testimony. Maybe you don't have kids or never plan to have kids. Well, listen, you'll have spiritual kids. You'll have people that you can speak into. You'll have younger, you know, nephews and nieces. You'll find someone to disciple. But I want you to, so everyone can receive. See, everyone can receive, okay? So here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 to 9. Okay, remember what I said. You'll always see God first. Talking about love relationship. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Okay? And then the next verse says, And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Okay? So first we need to love God with all our heart. And then we have to commit ourselves wholeheartedly to the commands given. Repeat them. Number three, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. So we're supposed to be talking to our children constantly about the Lord and the things of the Lord. That doesn't mean that you have to be quoting scriptures to your kids. That means you have to take the scriptures, interpret them yourself, and say, you know what, Billy, the way you're responding right now, I know you're being bullied right now, but the Bible says you to love your enemies, do good to those who despitefully use you. So why don't we get a little gift for Johnny? And you can go and bring that gift. And don't, don't, our worldview, the way we see life, we're not going to respond by name calling. You see what I'm saying? What you're doing is you're talking about the principles of God, the way God wants us to respond. Amen? Versus the way the world, which says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And so we need to be teaching our children day in, day out, talking about the things of the Lord. Okay? So verse 7. Uh, talk about them when you're at home, talk about the principles when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. This was more for the Jewish people. They did this. Okay. Write them on the doorposts of your home and your gates. Okay. So say number one, love the Lord with all your heart. See, because if we don't get the love thing right, then we're just getting into, 
you know, behavior modification. We, we don't want to do that. We want to have relationship, okay? Number two, commit yourself wholeheartedly to the scriptures or for the ways of God, all right? And if step number one and step number two um, are, I want you to know that step number one and step number two are more important than three and four. Because if you don't do step number one and two, which I love God, and so I'm going to give myself to his word and meditate on it day and night and ask God to transform me. If you don't do that, then what happens is you're preaching to your kids, telling them, you should be this. God says you should do that. And it becomes intellectual instead of being from the heart. And your kids will get discouraged. They'll see religion, and they won't see the fruit. Amen? So we need to be willing to uh, let the Word of God change us. Okay, so Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, Study the book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night. That just means to ponder, to think about it. How does this apply to my life? God, what are you saying to me? Okay, So that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So this is the thing that we need to teach our children. Listen, guys, the reason why we're doing things this way is not that God's trying to control you or make your life miserable, but God actually wants you to prosper and succeed. How many see that? And so if you will do what God commands you the right way, you're going to have success and you're going to have prosperity in your future. And your kids will respond, really? Okay, well, I see it working in your life, so I'm going to do it. You see. So we're not just trying to intellectually change our children, but we're talking to their hearts about the fact that God loves them, He has a relationship with them, and He's trying to protect them. Does that make sense? God wants us to prosper in life, He wants us to be doers of the word, not hearers only, right? So we need to teach our children that. Isn't that what Jesus taught? Luke, let's just read Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It says this. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? This is what Jesus is saying. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teachings, and follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm. Why? Because it's well built. And so when we teach our children that, listen, storms are going to come in life, flood water is going to come on life, but if you listen to God because he loves you and cares about you, and it might seem like it's a bummer right now to, to not, you know, go to that party or do this or hang out with these people. It might seem like a bummer, but listen, God wants you to succeed in life. And when the trials of life come and all your friends are laying flat on the ground, you're going to be standing. This is, and and th- they're going to listen more intently. Then if we just preach at them, God doesn't like this, God doesn't like that. They have to realize the word of God is to protect us and it's to keep us in the right way. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay. And so um, he goes on to say, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds his house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruin. Now here's a, a... a quote I got is Bob Talbert said this, teaching kids to count is fine, but teaching them what counts is better. Right? What counts in life? What's important to God? What's important to your future is more important than just, you know, learning mathematics. It's very important. 
All right? The other thing that we need to do, so say number one, I, I need to, to process the word myself. And then I need to, through bearing fruit, teach my children. The second thing we need to do is we need to share our experiences with the next generation. And so many, we have to do that. I tell my kids stories. Whenever we have a miracle or something, and I got to get better at this because I think everyone should have a, like a journal where they write down because we forget so much. We forget more than we remember half the time. But I tell my kids of stories, miracles, life transformations, and they hear these stories, and it causes them to revere God, right? It tells them, hey, listen, faith isn't just a blind faith of trust. It's a living faith that has evidence. And, and so we got this scripture in Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, but watch out, be careful never to forget what you yourselves have seen, okay? Do, do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and to the grandchildren. You see that? Be sure to pass them on. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai where he told me, summon all the people before me and I will personally instruct them. This is Moses when he gathered the people. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live and they will teach their children to fear me also. That's the word fear, reverential, God Almighty fear. And if you want your children to fear the Lord, tell them stories. Don't make them up, but tell them stories. Even if you don't think they're significant, talk about when you used to, you know, daddy and mommy used to struggle in, in, in this area. Now Jesus took that addiction away or that problem away and they'll go, wow. And it, it builds faith in your kids. Amen? And I remember my, my, when I was young, my parents would have Bible study in the basement. I was four or five years old, and I would lay in my room, and I would fall asleep listening to them, my mother playing the guitar and worshiping the Lord. And they would come the next day and say, kids, last night somebody got healed, and someone had a short arm. The arm grew back. And we had a girl in the community who, who was, I think, four, third or fourth stage cancer, and they gave her no hope. And she came to the Bible study. My parents prayed for her. And we still have the newspaper clipping, or my mother does, that she was healed. And it was, it, it was in the newspaper. The doctors verified. She went back, and the cancer was gone. And I read the news article as, as a child. And so my, my parents were saying, you know, Jesus is real. Oh, yeah. Because we need to tell the stories. We have to talk about what God did and how he blows our minds sometimes. It creates faith. Say, i got to tell my stories. All right? So we want to share our God experiences. Uh, very, very important. Here's another quote. <laughs> if we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. They will. So we need to teach them to follow Jesus and what that looks like. And you might be sitting here going, well, what if my, I did my best and my kids still went sideways? Well, don't worry, because if you install the word, you do the best you can, God is able to turn around and cause that thing to grow. Amen? There's a promise in Scripture in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, it doesn't say when he's older. It says when he is old, he will not depart from it. What that tells me is that when you put the truth in people and they go prodigal on you, right, through the years. How many know as you get older, you gain wisdom, right? I'm, I'm 46, going to be 46. And I don't think the same way I did when I was in my 20s. 
And some of you are in your 60s, and you don't think the same way a 40-year-old thinks. So, but, but what happens is we grow, we gain wisdom, and we begin to put the pieces together, and we understand things better. And when you get older, you're going to say, that was the truth. Everything else is just fluff. And you come back to the faith. So I'm saying that because maybe if you're in this place and you have wayward children, adult children, I believe as they get older, they're going to come back to the roots. So begin to pray that way. God, thank you, Father, that what I wasn't a perfect parent. I didn't do everything right, you know, but I thank you that the seeds I did sow will bear fruit. You know, like I read the Old Testament. I read about these guys that live 600 years and I get jealous. And I say to people, you know, you know, if I could only live 600 years, if I mess up on my first batch of kids, the second batch, I'll, you know, get a little better. And then the third batch, I'll be like an excellent parent, right? You, how many hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I, my brain thinks that way sometimes, right? Because like two of our kids now are 16 and seven, going to be 16 and 17. And I'm like, I think we did okay, but I would have done this and this and this because now I've learned a little more. How many know what I'm talking about? But you can't turn back the clock. So we just say, well, God, I'm just going to do better now, right? So God is faithful, right? And so it's never too late to start going after God and going after his ways wholeheartedly. And as we do that, our kids will see it. For some of us, our adult kids will see the transformation, the change, and come back. And so God is calling us to come back to the place of seeking him wholeheartedly. Amen? Now, another reason to teach the Word of God to your children is God's Word is an antivirus software, okay? It's kind of like a Mac. You get the operating system with the virus package. You know, it's not like a PC where you have to buy extra things and add it. You know, that's why I like Mac now. But, uh, but it comes with the Word of God, this virus protection, you know, and what it does, it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the Word of God is living and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, okay? So I want you to pay attention to this, okay? The Word of God is living and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Is your soul and spirit inside who you are? Is it inside you? Yes or no? Okay. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. Are the joints and marrow inside you or outside of you? It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Where are your thoughts, inside or outside? Right? So in the context of the scripture, God's word is coming into us to the deep part of who we are, and it has the power to change us. Okay, it's coming inside. Now look at verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. That word creature actually, the word creature is actually a created being, and you might have fear in your life. You might have rejection in your life. You might have a spirit of envy that talks to you, jealousy, occultism, things from your past. And when the Word of God comes in, it identifies the malware. Do you guys know what malware is? Malware is actually a software that is specifically designed to disrupt, damage, and to gain unauthorized access to the computer system. Rage, anger, bitterness, infirmity, all these things that want to come into us, the word of God comes in and like a light goes on. You're like, oh, this is not of God. I'm blowing my stack. This is not of God. Okay. That's the spirit of anger. So God, identi- say, God, forgive me. I cast that thing out in Jesus name. And, and the God, the word of God shows us the areas in our lives. 
And when we're raising our kids and we see our kids carrying some of the iniquities that we struggle with in the past, right? And for me, it was like, uh, you know, I was very manipulative before I got saved. Now, God has worked in me and he's, he's changed me. But sometimes in my kids, I see that tendency to, I'm going to manipulate the situation. And then I can sit down and show them the word of God. And they're like, eh, yeah, it's not good. And we pray against it. And then it's, it's identified. We cast out the malware so the operating system can function properly. Amen? Is this making sense to you guys? And so the word of God is there to show us where the enemy's in our lives so we can cast it out, separate it so our operating system can, we can live with joy, peace, happiness, right? How many hear what I'm saying? And so we need to train our children in the ways of the Lord. Does that make sense to everybody? Because the word of God shows us. Before the word of God was in scripture, written with pen and ink, the word of the Lord came to Cain. Cain had just killed his brother Abel. Look what he says here in Genesis chapter 4-7. If you do well, you will be accepted. God wasn't there to beat him up. He just says, you didn't do well. I'm not going to accept your offering. And if you do not do well, sin, which we know was jealousy, lies at your door, and its desire is for you, but you're supposed to rule over it, right? And we know what happened. Cain didn't rule over envy and jealousy. He came in, and he, he said, okay, I'm going to let this thing operate through me. And he went after his brother, and he killed him, right? Here's the thing. The word of God. How many has ever had, like, would you, the word of God comes. It's like a light, and you're like, okay, that's not of God, and you cut it off. How many? Let me see your hands, okay? That's what the word of God does. But it only works if we have step one and two down, that we love the Lord with all our heart, and we give ourselves wholeheartedly to it to strengthen our relationship with God and with others, not for any other reason. God's word is designed specifically not as a weapon against one another, but as a healing balm to bring us into deeper relationship with God and with one another. And unfortunately, and I harp on this all the time, you go online and Christians are using the word, using the scripture, because we all see in part, we prophesy in part. We don't have all the, but they use the word as a weapon again. Well, this scripture means this, so you're of the devil and you're going to hell. And there's all this warfare going, friendly fire in the body of Christ. And I submit to you, it's demonic. It's not of God. So we see children spending 30 hours a week in a humanistic worldview, and then another 10 hours, uh, unless you have the uh, privilege of homeschooling, but they're in an environment where humanism is there all the time. And then they come home and they'll spend maybe 10 hours a week on TV or online, uh, and, and, and they're being trained by people who might not have the same worldview as you. So what, what does that mean? It means that we need to take time um, to impart to our children the Word of God. Not just information, but demonstration. Is this what the Word of God looks like? Amen? And so the challenge I'm going to put out to you guys is this. And here's the thing. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We're all in, we're all in process. And I know like my wife and I, like we're not perfect parents. But we're, we're, we're getting better. Amen? And so we're, we're saying, okay, God, like, let's, how can we get better? How can we become uh, more like you? How can we bear fruit? And it's a journey. And we get up and we, are you still breathing here? Everyone's still breathing? You have another chance to make your life count 
for the next generation. Amen. So let's stand. I'm just going to pray. This was the challenge I put out to the first uh, service. I'm going to put it out to you guys as well. And that is this, a challenge that at least twice a week we'll take time with our children um, to have a devotion time, to sit down and talk about the Word and what that looks like practically. And say, well, my kids are already grown up. They're gone. Well, sit down with your dog. Sit down with your cat, your hamster. And if you don't have anyone, sit down with the Holy Spirit. He's our counselor and our friend. And just say, God, how can I work this into my life? I want to produce the fruit. Like this guy on the video, like I want to have that love just naturally flowing through me, you know. And I, when I saw what that young man did, like I, I, I bow my hat to that guy. I mean, that's, that's awesome. But that's not manufactured. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of manufactured Christianity. I want the fruit of the Holy Spirit operating through my life because I'm in love with him and he has a good plan for each and every one of us. And that's why we, oh man. David talks about the word and he talks about the fear of the Lord in such an amazing way. He says, listen, the word of the Lord is like treasure. It's, 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 we need it. It's more precious than gold and silver. Blessed are those who search for it because it brings life. Amen. I just want to say, too, because we all come from different situations, and I was just thinking as you're sharing <clears throat> all these good things that there might be somebody sitting th thinking, you know, I didn't have any kids, or, or maybe you were not Christian when you raised your kids, and, you know, there's different scenarios, but we have to think God's grace, you know. The concept of parenting is not just you and your blood child. Sometimes it can be you. Like, I, I have had the best mentors sometimes that's not had children. There's been other people that didn't have their own natural children, but they were able to focus on parenting myself or others uh, because they were not so busy. Like, when you're a natural parent, you're busy. How many know you're busy with your own children? Sometimes it's hard. You might look and think, oh, you know, my heart reaches out to someone, so I wish, you know, they need a parent. And if you didn't have your natural children, don't sit and fall into, you know, self-pity and think, well, you know, I didn't get any children, you know, because there's lots. Like the Bible says, if you're barren, rejoice because you can be a mother to more. You can look around and you can say, who can I mentor? Who can I parent? So I think, like, we have to think that it's not just the blood thing. And even if your children, if you were not a Christian when you parented them, you might, you know, don't just stay in regret. Go into prayer. There's power in prayer, and today is the day of salvation. God can use somebody else. If you felt like you blew your chance, God can, you know, pray that God will send somebody else to parent or mentor and redeem those years. Or, you know, like, I mean, even with our children, like Travis said, we were not perfect and we are not. And sometimes it's intimidating. Sometimes you think, oh, you know, but I pray. If I see an area where I realize that we have not, we've fallen short, I pray, okay, God, you can redeem that somehow. You can send maybe somebody else, you know, or you can somehow come in and be what we can't be because ultimately God is the parent. We're stewards, really. Like, we're parents, but we're stewards of God's children. And we get the privilege of being that parent, but just pray because he's the father to the fatherless and he's the mother to the motherless. And sometimes even our children, even though they have fathers and mothers, sometimes they're almost like fatherless or motherless because we can't be everything to anybody. So. That's good. And another thing that was on my heart to share is that um, it's actually very mature and very spiritual to be able to go back to your adult children or 
your children and say, hey, listen, I did the best I could, but I made mistakes. And I want you to know that we're all in process and I would have done things differently, with, you know, and let them know that, listen, I'm sorry if I came across harsh or I was, and you'll be, that'll melt people and will show the heart of Jesus. Amen. I've already done that with my kids. I've talked with one of my kids, you know, I was, I, I was a little hard on you when I was, I was doing the best I could, but I want you to know that I love you. And, and it does something in their hearts. No more plastic Christianity. Like, let's be real, organic, conversation, loving, owning where we missed it. And God, with that humility, gives grace. And miracles begin to happen. Amen? So that's for somebody here. I don't know who that's for. But be encouraged. God is doing amazing things. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I thank you for every person here, every home represented here, God. Father, that we can take this message today and we can make minor adjustments to what we're doing in our life, God, and see massive fruit because it's your desire that we prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And all God's people said, amen. With every eye bowed and every head, if there's anyone in this place that you've never received Jesus and you want to make a decision to follow him today, I want you to know that you can come up here and uh, there'll be a prayer team here to minister to say, hey, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. And they will pray with you and your life will change. I promise you that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.